are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And today, we are talking about everyone's favorite. That's not always true. But <laughs> big fan favorite, Phantom of the Opera, etc. Maybe the most well-known. <laughs> Probably the most well-known. The most uh... recent, most long, um, the most recent longest running show on Broadway. Until well, it technically is still the longest running show on Broadway. Nothing has surpassed it. And if Chicago does, that would be wild. They have so, to go like another 10 years before they can claim that, though. Exactly. Yeah. So everyone's familiar with its existence. Whether you know the story, you don't know the story, you know it exists. Um. So, as you know. The book and music are written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, classic. The book is also written by Richard Stilgo. And then the lyrics are written by Charles Hart. Oh. So that is a fun fact. So for those of you who may not know the story um, or need a refresher, it is about a opera house that is said to be... Um, haunted by a phantom and everything goes into disarray when the um opera house is sold and that's kind of where we start just jump right in there um so what's what's your experience with phantom of the opera i assume you have a few (laughs) i don't know if it was i say it's the first show i saw on broadway i don't remember i don't think it's technically the first show i actually saw um but for my first trip when i came to new york uh before i moved here it was the first show that we actually had tickets to um and then we did some of those like you know like go to the tkts booth and like go do some rush and like see just what was available or what kind of like felt we felt like seeing but um we had gotten tickets for phantom ahead of time um, and so I saw that third row center orchestra mm-hmm. so that the chandelier fell right onto my head, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was super pumped. So that was, I think it was my dad's very first show he ever saw on Broadway. Um, him and my mom saw it when they went to visit uh, at some point in the 80s, uh, like 88 or 89. And so that was like something that he wanted to to take me to. So that was super fun. Um, and yeah, it was incredible because I feel like, I don't know, there's like been some stuff where people have said that the set seemed kind of dated um, now, but I feel like sets now just like aren't as good as that, like the grandiosity of it. Yeah. Um I just loved um, and even recently, you know, uh, before it closed and I was working uh, on the show, it was just I I never I never got over that like grandioseness of Mm -hmm. seeing it and and feeling that. um, Yeah, I think it was just beautifully done. Um, And I always loved the music. I don't ever remember like specifically listening to it. I just remember always like knowing it, you know, it was like one of those shows that we just sort of knew. Um, I feel like that's and- just like Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> like- no, yeah. And <laughs> somehow so- you just know the songs. 
so yeah I just and you know I grew up in theater and stuff too um I don't think I saw it before I saw it on Broadway though maybe the movie I think I saw the movie before that and I didn't like the movie Mm -hmm. um yeah I always really liked the music and then um because I am a soprano uh when I was taking voice lessons in high school for like a um a showcase thing that we did for like uh dance and voice school that I went to um I sang think of me um in that and so I you know I'm I'm very familiar with that song um saying that in a corset uh don't recommend very difficult to sing in a corset uh or to, just like to get it. enough breath uh support so anyway uh yeah I knew not like a you know I didn't I I knew the story but I hadn't ever like seen it um but what's kind of nice about the Phantom of the Opera is that you get to um because it's an operetta and there's very little actual dialogue being spoken when you get the soundtrack you pretty much get most mostly the entire show Mm -hmm. and all of that is what keeps um keeps the show going um the whole plot line is all of the music and so that um i kind of i knew everything that was happening without ever having to have seen it but i'm glad that i did finally see it yeah um i love phantom it's always been one of my favorites um i've seen it three times on broadway it was my mom and sister's first show on broadway um so i saw it with them the first time and then i saw it by myself and then I went and saw it with Dom. And I think I was in, I had really decent seats the first time, but they weren't like orchestra. Um, and then the second two times I was in the orchestra because I did the lottery on it. Um, but I was familiar with Phantom. It was, the, it was, it's the show I was most familiar with from like growing up to getting here. Um, it's like it's something fun. that people just like innately know about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like a part of life. You don't um, like learn about Phantom. It it already exists. It already <laughs> exists. Yeah. So I started with the book, actually. Right. I um I read the book when I was a very young child. <laughs> Maybe too young, but who knows? Who's who's to say? Um, and I just I fell in love with it. And I remember it was my favorite book. I read it like two or three times when I was little. Um, and then I never read it again. It's probably been 20 years since I've read it. So I need to do a reread. Um, but then in college, I watched the movie because it was my roommate and one of my really good friends. It was her favorite movie. So we watched it and I enjoyed really? it. I enjoyed it well enough. Like I didn't, I didn't hate the movie, but I, it's not my favorite, um, but it was her favorite. Um, Interesting. And then, and then Broadway, I saw it here three times. So it was the second show I saw on Broadway, uh, third show I saw on Broadway, Um so I was pretty familiar with it. Um, I was a little less familiar with how m- are the other adaptations of it existing, which I found very interesting. And I didn't know about any of those until yesterday. So very new to me. <laughs> um, I knew the book. I knew the movie. I knew Broadway. But as Noelle brought up to me, there is a version that is also considered an adaptation of the novel but is slightly different um, a little looser of an a little looser adaptation yeah it's not quite as on the money as um andrew luke weber's and it is just called phantom yep and it is done by 
uh, Mari Yeston, and the book is by Arthur Coppet. 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 Um, and so you knew about this. What is your experience with this one? Like, yeah, um, I actually saw Mori Eston's Phantom before I ever saw fan before I ever saw Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. Um, we did it at my high school. Um, and so we did it at at the high school. Um, and we also did uh Titanic. That was the first time that I had um seen Titanic was when they did it at my high school. Um, that was a the junior senior production between our school and the other performing arts uh high school in the area they did like a senior showcase or a junior senior showcase every year mm-hmm. and um and so Fanta or I'm sorry uh we had done Phantom that that year or maybe it was the year after we did no 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 they had to have been the same year which is interesting um so we did Phantom as one of the main stage shows and then um Titanic as the um as the second stage whatever junior senior show and um and so both of those are more Easton shows um and what's interesting is uh now that I've gone back because like years later I did Titanic um and now going back and have and watching Phantom again because I haven't seen it since then um it's interesting because I can hear some like style things that are kind of similar that he does which is um it's typical they don't sound the same at all but you can sort of hear some of the similarities um in like tonality um and kind of the way that the that the music builds um but like Andrew Lloyd Webber is very much you know we we talked about this with Bad Cinderella too mm-hmm. is like you can you can really hear that Andrew Lloyd Webber style um in his music and so um so yeah it's interesting but what's also kind of interesting to me now having today i actually listened to them like kind of back to back because i wanted Mm -hmm. to compare them a little bit or at least sort of like hear it they have very different you know uh phantom of the opera is like much bigger and grander that's kind of an andrew lloyd weber thing It, it it engulfs the whole space um and i feel like uh Maury Estens is a little bit more like it's more like a musical uh, it's more melodic um, it steps a little bit away because I feel like it's not quite as opera-esque um, but it sort of you know like it, just that style it's very like this 90s musical um, kind of like really nice uh, and, and it's beautiful music um, I actually really like Titanic better um, as far as music, like the musicality of it. I think that he, um, what he did with it is incredible, but you hear some of that same, um, the beauty in like mixing like instruments and sort of like this kind of smaller scale of this big music. It's kind of like a weird way to say that, but it's like, that's kind of how I felt about it. But anyway, um yeah it uh so I knew I knew about that um and then I've also I've always wanted to do a production of Phantom um I want to play Carlotta like so bad like it's such a fun part and so that's what's kind of interesting too about the Phantom of the Opera versus Phantom is that the Phantom of the Opera really focuses on you know the two Christine 
and the phantom and then raul as like a close like uh like supporting character whereas yeah. with phantom you really get a lot more detail from more of the side characters and so like there's a lot of things that i find more interesting like it was never like i love phantom phantom of the opera um and i will go see it like whenever i think it's one of the most beautiful shows and i think that it closing on broadway like makes me sad in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because especially because it was like the first show that i knew that i was going to see and um it just really represented when i saw it like what broadway has always felt like to me yeah. um and i don't know if that's because i you know i grew up in theater but you know touring companies tend to be um, a little bit of a smaller scale than broadway um community theater even more so um and so like seeing all of this huge like like the grandness of everything um really just kind of represented what i always felt like broadway was to yeah. me as this like distant incredible big um like community of just like incredible actors and and performers and and creatives and so um so when it closed it was sort of just like i know it's had a great run like it is the longest running broadway show it's the third third longest running like west end show like it's it it's had a good run but it's still sort of like a little piece of me was like very very sad for it closing because it just it feels like a staple and now i'm like what's happening with the world that we don't have phantom of the opera in the majestic theater on broadway like it's just yeah i 100 percent agree I, like not growing up in theater um so not knowing a ton of theater um phantom is always the one that felt like true broadway to me mm -hmm. like and then being there like no matter how many times i've gone like it's felt the same like you said it's so grandiose and it's like sometimes you don't get that with some of the newer shows they have great set designs great like um choreography and whatnot but you don't get like that same this theater is made for phantom of the opera and that is what goes here and that is like who we are and who this music is and like it's just it it feels different and to kind of touch on what you said earlier about like people are saying the set's dated I never felt that way like I've I've heard so many people say that but like this like the water scene and like everything I was like it holds up like yeah and like a chandelier falls from the ceiling and doesn't kill anyone like it holds up and it's like everything's surprising like I mean you've seen it but like if you haven't seen it you are surprised by the chandelier you're surprised by the way like the scenes play out and how they like build up the set like it's it's so well done and it I agree it's the epitome of Broadway and when you say Broadway I think Phantom like there are other shows that have obviously like started overshadowing it a bit I mean people are thinking of Hamilton and Wicked and stuff and not that those aren't but it's not the same it's not the same and that's kind of what's interesting I, i'm glad you brought that up actually because i wasn't even thinking of wicked which is another incredibly grandiose mm -hmm. um beautifully done set and i feel like most other shows more modern shows of this more recent era 
don't do the same kind of it's just like the style is so different now well everything's so fast now so like they don't have time to build a theater around it anymore whereas you have like wicked you have the dragon and all this stuff that like you know time for all of that if you're having a six week eight week production like well that's like the most current stuff but even like so like the harry potter at Mm -hmm. the lyric theater they they went in and they redid that theater for harry potter and like you know that that was something that i don't know i think we're just in a very different and i don't want to go too much on a tangent on this because um we could probably have a whole episode about the the changing landscape of broadway overall um but i think we're in just a very different time on broadway now than we were 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago um because that used to be the thing like and if we don't move out of this sort of all these limited run things that we're doing now phantom will stay the longest running broadway show because nothing seems to really last anymore and that's and it's by design where it used to be like that was the the goal to just keep running to keep having a job to keep everybody like doing what they're doing to keep people coming and what's wild to me too is i know that i know that phantom uh on broadway was starting to lose money and that was like the big thing for why they closed um but it was still like i worked those lines outside like and that's a a fairly large theater Mm -hmm. um it's it's sort of in the in the middle on the upper middle side of um of broadway theaters but it you know tons of people they would get in tons of people it was like the biggest show for um non-english speakers um so yeah people who and that i think is what's interesting and we talked about this a little bit i think with cinderella um about her like so much about opera uh is the emotion of it and so even though like a lot of times you're seeing operas and they're not in english you understand what's going on because of the emotion of it and the way that they guide you through it right and i think that phantom of the opera had a similar impact on people who don't speak english where it can be presented in english and they can still sort of follow and see what's going on based on you know all of the large aspects of it and um and how everything sort of connects together and the consistent music throughout um all of that i think yeah i I definitely think like like on that on that note i think that like if i'm going to see something in a foreign language i love going to see like foreign films and stuff but they have um captions it's not a thing but if i'm gonna go see a show i would go to to an opera that's in a because it does it's the feeling you can keep up with the storyline like even if you don't know like what exactly they're saying it's and it's also it's grandiose it's bigger it's fuller than like some of the other stuff we're seeing and so like i i think that makes complete sense that that's the one they would go see that does the best yeah so i don't know it's just very sad to me now that it's not there anymore i know it feels feels weird (laughs) that it's not there that was always the standard yeah and for me like it's particularly odd now 
to have been so used to walking through you know the there there's a common alley Mm -hmm. um for the majestic the jacobs and the golden theaters so you go into the back and everything is color coded so the majestic everything is red the jacobs everything is blue and the golden everything is yellow um and so that's how you can like find the stage doors really easily that's how you can do all the stuff like it's all sort of like designed in a way but you go through this one alley and then go through the the door and then you go to the actual stage door so it's like this whole alley and it's just weird to to think of going through there and have nothing in there because the comment you know a lot of things have come and gone through the golden that's a much smaller theater i think it's probably one of the smallest um of the broadway theaters and it and so that has seen a lot more turnover um we've seen a few different things come in and out of the jacobs um some things that we thought would last longer uh or not and then um yeah it was always phantom and so seeing that like load out as soon as that sign went away that was like the weirdest feeling for me it's like a piece of your heart is gone like it's and I know that sounds dramatic but it's like that's how it feels like a piece is missing the first time I go to see something else in that theater is going to feel really weird and I don't know and like I didn't grow up in New York you know but it still feels like it's supposed to be there. And I don't know if part of that is like, it was literally there longer than either of us has been alive. Yeah. You know, like when did it open? Like 1986 or 87? I think somewhere between 86 and 88. I don't remember exactly when. So, you know, I was born in 1990. Yeah. Um, I know my parents went to see it on Broadway before I was born, but after they were together. So that was like 88 or 89. Um. You know, it's just like, it's one of those things that's just sort of, it's never really going to feel right. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'll get past it eventually as I see like more shows kind of come in and out, but it just, it's such an odd feeling, but it also like, that's the other thing too, is I got really used to, especially when I was working COVID safety and things closed and whatever, I was running around at different Broadway theaters all the time. It was like, I got used to seeing the Imperial empty mm-hmm. because it spent so much time empty. Yeah. And then like, I got used to seeing, you know, the James Earl Jones theater um, that was closed for a while before it was renamed because they were doing renovations and doing all right. the stuff for it. And so you, you just kind of got used to like that one being empty. And like now like the Broadway um, has been empty for a really long time too. And so like, that's sort of weird um but on the flip side you know I got used to just walking past these theaters and being like okay these are empty like is anything ever going to come through like what's happening with these like at the same time you're always like okay well Phantom is at the Majestic like not thinking about it but it's one of those things that you're just used to always having there and so having it not be there is just totally wild yeah yeah Yep, I agree. And we could probably talk about this for seven more hours. We have talked about it for too long already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Nostalgia. We can't help ourselves. I'm sad. Um, but I do want to get back to the adaptations a bit. Yes. Um, let's go back. One thing about so I full disclosure, I watched the guest in one between like a three and seven AM period because I was dealing with my dog. And so 
my take of it is not going to be quite as good as someone who's watched it like a normal person. But it seems to me like almost a little bit darker, even though I think the music for Andrew Lloyd Webber has more like maybe some darker elements. Um, But storyline, I feel like it gets a bit heavier. The music for Webber or Lloyd Webber is is much spookier. You feel that and and, and, um, the... um, the gothic yeah um you get that feeling from the music which is another reason why i think that set is so incredible mm-hmm. because you really get that gothic feeling from that set too it really um, translates well from the book onto the stage mm-hmm. and so i have to read the book now because i am it's so interesting to me yeah um especially when i see like different adaptations and like there are things that i really like about both there are things that i would pick like i think the um starting the phantom of the opera with that auction and then like you know everything is in disuse and then going back that that's the most brilliant opening Mm -hmm. like i love it and so starting in the time which is what phantom does right you know it cuts out that part which is fine. They sort of focus on different things. What's really interesting about the Phantom of the Opera for, and I need to read the book because I think Mm -hmm. like that would help in parts of it too, but like you spend all of this time in Phantom, in Yeston's Phantom, going through and like she gets to the um to the opera house and then she you know get gets brought on and then she meets the phantom and then they have their lessons and then you know he it, you know starts you know it interfering to get her in or whatever and like in phantom of the opera like all of that happens in like the first seven minutes yeah like, I, will say I was I was very thrown off that we didn't have the same opening that we just kind of jumped in for Phantom, and uh, but it's yeah. I'm not familiar with that one as much. So, and so it's yeah, it's very interesting. Um, but like for me, and I think I've talked about this before. I've definitely told you about this before. Like I love side character development. I love, and I always find those characters just to be so much more interesting than the ingenues. Like, and I have always been bored by Raul like always I'm so sorry I, I, I he's mean, boring he's so he boring to me doesn't have a lot going on and, and which is true of like you know West Side Story the most interesting characters in West Side Story are not Maria and Tony they're <laughs> the most boring characters you know like those ingenue characters are not meant to be you know these majorly developed characters because they sort of like they're the love story and it's all of these side characters you know it's the Anita it's the Benito it's like those characters you know so and that's what I love about Phantom is like the Carlotta and um her husband coming in um it's the um although there is the friend in Phantom of in Phantom of the Opera that I sort of wish that we had um that concept of her already being there I like that so much better than I do like that yeah somebody coming in and being like here and and sort of doing that but it's but it's different you know I also like I like the concept of her already being there but also the concept of Carlotta being a new person being brought in 
you know? So it's yeah. like, there are these things that I like about each of them that I kind of want to mesh into its own. Like I want her to all to Christine to already have been there, but then Carlotta to come in and be like, it's so much more interesting that there's this chorus girl who is so much better, but instead of like promoting her to the lead, like the new owner's wife is going to do it because, you know, that's capitalism that's, and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's how it works. But like, and then I, I like in Phantom, you get so much more of like the the friend and the familial stories than you do just the romance. Uh, which I always find more interesting too, because like maybe it's just because I'm getting old and like I was gonna say senile, but that is not what I meant. Um, <laughs> I'm like cynical. Yeah, you know, I'm like I don't care about your love story, like whatever. And you know how much I love a oh my god, we just met and now we're in love and we're gonna die if we're never apart. Like, that's just the, like, so the most interesting story we could ever write and we can't stop fucking writing it. Um, So, like, that is all, like, boring and whatever. But I also find the Raul and Christine being, like, childhood friends and coming back together as, like, the dumbest fucking love story also. So, like... You don't like traditional, like, romance tropes. Win with me in the yeah. romance department it's fine um but so I that's why you also I hate enemies to lovers i do also hate enemies yep, to lovers same. i think that is there super stupid too <laughs> i hate love stories don't fall in love <laughs> only fall in hate you know what i want to see i want to see a lovers to enemies story that's what i want to see because that's more true to life and we never see that on stage or in a movie but really like you're right i don't really like the a love story i don't like a comedy i don't like a happy ending mm -hmm. like and that's one of the things that i love about both of these versions you know there really isn't a happy ending although andrew lloyd weber's you like sort of get more of a happy ending right um, it, it feels more like you're okay in the end still even though you know that it's like not super happy yeah. but uh phantom feels like a little darker it's like no one's happy like <laughs> it's just sad and also can i side note real quick mm -hmm. about like let's talk about christine for a second mm -hmm. what a bitch <laughs> like <laughs> you beg him to show you his face yeah and then run away. And then you're mean to him. Like, like he's been teaching you and training you this whole time. And he didn't want to show you because you were going to have that reaction. You're like, no, I'm not going to have that reaction. Like, you need to suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Because if you're going to be like, I love you for, and then that just is like, <laughs> it's just like, I was just like, I'm, I'm watching it again and I'm, I'm seeing it. And I was like, oh, what a bitch. Like, of course, he never goes outside. And you know why? And so, and it comes back to my favorite musical of all time, which is Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's the same thing. But you know what they don't do in Hunchback of Notre Dame? She tells him he's beautiful. She doesn't shy away from his face and she touches his face. And what's even more lovely about that is that she doesn't end up with him just because, you know, like it's a friendship. She still ends up with the other guy. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Friend zoning is not real. 
So you don't come at me about friend zoning. You can have friends. <laughs> it's allowed. Yeah. Um, I also think it adds a bit of a darker element to have um what's his face? The, the dad be the dad. Yeah. That I think is pretty cool. I really like that. And I think it I think it makes it darker, but I think I like that better. Like well, I really and- like that element of it. It gives him a reason for being there because that's yeah. one of the things that Phantom of the Opera like kind of doesn't address is like where he came from, how he got there. Yeah. Um, it's I, sort of, I guess, in the book. I was gonna say I, I think was the reading does, but I still don't I don't think he was the dad. So I think it was like he was injured there or something. Like I feel again, it's been 20 years since I read this book, but I do think it addressed it more in the book. Um, it looks like when I was uh reading the synopsis that it was like part of the epilogue or something that it kind of went through and like explained like sort of how he ended up there yeah um but i think it's really interesting that it's and super freudian um that he's like in love with her because it reminds him of his mom and all of this you know Mm -hmm. this whole thing it's definitely darker phantom and i think that's why i like it because you know i love like les mis yeah. It's a great French sad story because we're like everybody dies like no happy ending here they end up together the two ingenues who are not the most interesting characters <laughs> in Les Mis either because all the most interesting characters died they all died see that one I've also only read the book I haven't seen or watched anything about it so okay we have to fix that and talk about Les Mis because <laughs> I love Les Mis I know um and it's like all up my alley but that's another thing so I I started that'll that would be something interesting I never read the whole book I didn't finish it it's a long time ago finals happened it just yeah. and I never got back to it um but it's like only a very small part yeah of the book that is the musical which is like that's what i was wondering i kind of thought that maybe phantom of the opera was going to be like that because um that's like the joke for um uh natasha pierre and the great comet of 1812 also is like oh this is just like 46 pages or whatever it is of of war and peace um which is like that that's what it is or like if you see you know different productions of i have seen i did a production i've seen two other different productions from the production that i did like different scripts of little women based on the little women book like you focus on different things and so it's kind of interesting to me about phantom and i know i usually hate when stories you know that you you come and you make something based on a book and you don't do it right Mm-hmm. But I feel like what what Yeston and um, uh, Copet uh, did really well was that they took this story that didn't give you a ton of backstory and gave you backstory. And I love that. Yeah. And I think like they also had a bit of time to develop it. I know they had a lot already finished, but uh, Angeloid Webbers came out around the time they were trying to finish up theirs. But uh, we we were just reading about this and talking about this. But there were two years of copyright left in the U.S. And so Angela Weber come out in the U.K. on the West End. And um, 
So Yeston had to wait anyways. And so I'm I'm sure there was some extra development that was done in there, especially to like, I know it mentioned like to differentiate a bit because it didn't premiere in the US until 91. Um, so I'm sure yeah. that some of that was built in after they like saw how closely based the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's is on the book. And so they're like, well, we're going to, include some different things because it's not the same show now like well from what i read is it was like they were worried that they were doing the same show and so that's mm-hmm. why they were like okay let's walk away from it for a little bit but yeah. then when they actually saw what andrew Lloyd weber's version did they were like oh actually we took a different look at this and they're yeah. actually two totally different shows Mm-hmm. And so that is when they kind of went back to like bring it back into development. But a lot of the ideas that they had, like the structure that they had created was very different because, yeah, you really don't see a lot of these, like more of these side characters. And um, it's interesting because like we had taken this uh, or I had taken this uh, adaptation class in grad school. Um, and that was one of the things that they talked about. That was like, yeah, sometimes when you're taking something from, you know, a book to a movie or to a stage or to Mm -hmm. a television series or whatever, sometimes you separate characters into multiple people. Sometimes you bring characters. And so that's kind of what Yeston did is like, okay, there's these new owners. Well, wouldn't it be kind of more interesting if the new owners were also the people that were like trying to lead up you know and like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you kind of mix and change things based on what would kind of like maybe bring more drama or something like that um and so i i find that kind of more interesting because it's like okay you're coming out and saying that this like really young girl is gonna is so much better than this woman because she's like washed up like and i hate that because it's like ageism and it's gross and young people are not innately better than people who have been doing it for a long time because clearly if she's been doing it for a long time she's probably pretty freaking talented and so the funny part about Carlotta that I love in Yeston's Phantom is that she sucks (laughs) but she's like I want to fucking do this this is my life's calling and so I'm gonna get a rich husband and he's gonna buy me an opera house so that I can like I'm gonna do what I want to do and her that whole scene where she comes in and she's like they're like, oh, here's what we were thinking. And she's like, oh, I'll come to you and tell you what I was thinking. Do you see the difference? Yeah, like, we leave ageism and go into nepotism. <laughs> so, well, it's so, I mean, they're both pretty friggin' true for the world. But yeah. anyway, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, well, it's very of a time period to be like hey you don't look right yeah you can't mingle in society um and so i sort of wish that that wasn't like the ending kind of thing that he just never ever went outside and then he dies like that's sad it's even more sad when his dad shoots him yeah (laughs) that's more sad in my opinion well and then he dies in the arms of his father which i think is also kind of beautiful in a way that is beautiful that is that's um nice. and really sad yeah but also i like that he didn't die alone in the well like in the arms of christine and then she's like okay deuces i'm gonna go marry this other guy right right 
um i i think it's a better ending for phantom um yeah but it is sadder too to an extent just because then you think about the dad being left with all this trauma forever and well that is his own fault i mean it might be but it doesn't make it less sad for me that's fair yeah as we bring up shitty parenting thank you (laughs) phantom for shedding a light on shitty fathers yes as you say with someone who has a great father (laughs) i have an amazing father i was like we both have pretty good dad so like but not as not our parents always the case. I, it has been told to me many times that i don't have a typical dad because when i when i took um those gender studies courses in college and they talk about gender like traditional gender roles and stuff like that and I'd be like my dad was the one who picked me up from school and who you know did that and people and like finally my teacher at one point because I kept being like well my dad did blah 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 he was like you do realize that you have a very non-traditional upbringing as far as like gender roles are concerned like that does happen but that is not the tip you it is you are way out of the norm and I'm like okay (laughs) good more people should be more out of the norm I don't know absolutely absolutely anyway. um before we 100 percent shy away from adaptations i want to mention we have no no knowledge of this but we've learned today that there's a uh teleplay <laughs> oh yeah for our two-part miniseries that uh was sold to nbc um and it's there it stars charles dance terry polo and burt lancaster came out in 1990 um so i'm very interested in that so maybe we'll find it find it somewhere see if we can find it somewhere and uh watch it so if you know tell us we'd love to see it yeah but i i love phantom it's always been one of my favorites um are there some other good things you think that like phantom's done for the world theater i feel like it has brought more of an appreciation of that type of music to people mm-hmm. um because even like from from either side of it you sort of see this operetta we've seen some others kind of since then um the gothic um taking these stories and sort of even making them darker that's a very much um uh, like Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. as like shocking and dark as it was at the time it was written when you read it with a modern lens it's very mild yeah but the musical version of Jekyll and Hyde is is pretty dark um so yeah it's sort of and it, it kind of brings like an interesting way to um to to look at things and how you can kind of a- adapt in, in different ways like we have these two like very different adaptations um and they can both like coexist i think it's interesting because i think i'm uh gesticulating um but i think that it's probably likely that the reason why a lot of people have done 
more yes in phantom is because it's probably a lot easier and cheaper to get the rights to that than to get the rights to phantom of the opera especially as it was running on broadway for so long mm-hmm. um but i think that it opened you know a, a door for people to see something that's different but under the same story yeah. um like we we see that all the time anyway and i am proud that at least phantom phantom of the opera on broadway went out with its very first full-time black christine yep who hit me with a door one time <laughs> during the show and that will forever be a story that i will remember and tell everyone that i've ever met i was thrilled about that and i never got to see her and i was so upset um, beautiful but it Absolutely is beautiful great yeah she hit me with the door i don't know how how many people can say that i got hit with the door by christine in phantom during phantom like there was no reason for her to be coming through that door but it just happened to me and um, I, I surely can't say that i know i surely can't so i know maybe she's never maybe she's never hit anyone with a door before i bet and she, she remembers too and she's like oh my god that one time that i walked through that door that i wasn't supposed to be walking through anyway because i was looking for something during the show and i hit that girl and i felt so bad she apologized to me and i was like oh, it's fine you can <laughs> hit me with whatever you want to hit me with um because you're amazing and yeah yeah i i agree and i think like i know phantom ended up being um more affordable towards the end than it than it was so i feel like it allowed more people to go see it i know like if you won the lottery tickets were 30 bucks like they were so cheap well they had student rush too for phantom always which was nice yeah and Um, you get tkts like it was never like crazy prices like i felt like you could usually weekdays you could usually get a reasonably price like or through like today takes like 40 dollars. like yeah so um that was nice and you know i allowed a lot more people to see it and mm -hmm. so i think that's what was kind of nice about it is that it is definitely a show that a lot of people across different cultures and things were able to sort of see all together um Mm -hmm. and experience something together because that's definitely that was the the biggest thing that i noticed working on that show versus like a lot of other shows is that just the diversity in the audience members and all of the different people that that came to see to see that show Um, so interesting like have you noticed like anything similar on other shows like um you get a little bit more of it with like Chicago also and I think it's just something I don't know if it's just because it's been running for so long or everybody's seen the movie or whatever that like people sort of know that story but I think that that was like a big part of it for Phantom is that people know the story like I'm I'm sure lots of people have read the book in you know different languages different translations yeah, I was gonna say, also. Sure plenty of translations of Phantom so 
I'm sure like so lame is obviously was not on Broadway when I was working and it is not now. Um, I think there's another tour happening because I saw some people rehearsing a few months back um, in one of the rehearsal studios. But um, so I think there's a tour of that going on. But I think that that would probably be another one that's like, again, lots of translations of that. It's been around for a long time, like that kind of thing. I think there's a, there's, there's a movie, huge. It's... Yeah. Well, that's there are many movie adaptations of Les Mis. Um, there's just only the one musical version. Yeah, uh, but there are many, many, many um, straight versions um, based on the book. So, and again, that's another thing where it's just like a, a chunk of it. Like all of this stuff happens in the book before the musical ever starts, um, and then all this stuff happens after. The musical ends so um but that's very like time period also yeah. so um, um what do you want yeah i think it's bored with this show um so somebody mentioned to me that they thought that what might happen is um there's a tour version of phantom of the opera that's like a scaled down version and so they thought that maybe that might come back to broadway um although i don't think that it would be the same with how long you know i feel like people would just be like this is phantom light yeah um but there is you know that's been a big thing it is everything's about money now i mean i'm sure things were about money for a long time but i feel like it's worse now like the the margins that they want and and things like that um i think that heaven forbid you pay people like an actual livable wage yeah Um, but i also think like with the way things are now is like fads are moving so quickly because you see like these trends from tiktok from social media and so like the same thing's happening with movies they're not staying in theaters very long if the, if at all we're seeing streaming as more than you know seeing a movie people are waiting till the whole series is out instead of like watching it weekly like no one is hanging in there for the long run like it's exciting everyone's thrilled about it and then you know after six or eight weeks if it's not it may not be as exciting anymore and so they're not making money and so I feel like the trends are going in a different direction which is sad because I feel like then you lose some of like the artistry of you know being built into this like stage and having all these different renditions and all these different like casts and stuff and so and I mean could be right I was gonna say I could be wrong but just everything in entertainment is moving so much quicker than it ever has. Yeah. You, you could be right. The way that I saw it or the way that I was thinking that it was going was, it seems to me more like people are less willing to stick with it to help build it. It's like, if it isn't amazing right away, then just give up. And it's kind of a bummer because, like, the biggest thing I think about, like, well, anything really is word of mouth. So you have to have it be open for long enough for people to come see it so that they can tell other people to come see it. And the thing about Broadway is that you don't make a shit ton of money on a Broadway show from people who live in New York. Yeah. It's people who 
come to New York to see things, but things aren't staying open long enough for people to do that. And so I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me because what it seems more like now, the big trend is that they're just like, we're just going to go for a sure thing. So we're just going to grab a big name person that people are going to, we're going to announce it way ahead of time because they have their schedule booked so far ahead of time. So we're going to, you know, book this out. Like we're seeing all of this stuff. It's not even opening until next year. And we're seeing like, oh, this person's going to start. And then this person's going to take over. And you're like, how do you even know that right now? (laughs) So you're booking people in between the other stuff that they're working on or the films or the TV shows or whatever, like schedules that they're doing and putting it in there for a limited period of time. But you're giving people like a year to plan a vacation, which is- smart because you're going to make more money that way because you know the people who live here are not going to be like oh let me you know i mean we did but only like we're gonna go see merrily we roll along yeah my dad got tickets months ago to go for my birthday Mm -hmm. because he knew i really wanted to see it um and so like things like that, but even still, my dad's not like a, like if we could, if we could see everything, we probably would. Like if we had the time and the money to see. But also we're not like, as the people living in New York, we're not the ones paying full price. We're doing lottery. Right. We're doing, you know, we're planning in advance. We're getting today ticks or spending max 60 bucks on a ticket. Like the people we're come from out of town. We are poor people too also. Um, but like people coming out of town are spending hundreds of dollars on like one seat. Like, yeah. And so like, they're the people that are spending the money anyways. It's not us. Um, but I think, I mean, I think both like concepts fit together. Like my like thought of like, they want everything to be so fast because that's how like it is. But like, and you add in yours of like, so because they're making it so fast, they need a quick payout too. Like, well, and that's the thing, oh. too, that I didn't really think about until we just started this conversation right now, mm-hmm. but um, supply and demand, right? Yeah. So here's this person. They're only going to be here for six weeks. So the demand, theoretically, is higher for that because if you want to see that person, then yeah. you need to make it in that chunk of time versus like there are shows that we've missed because we thought we had more time. Yeah. And even like tours, like, I don't know, maybe Broadway is sort of becoming more the way that tours are because tours only have a limited amount of time that you spend right. in each, each city or whatever. And so if you want to see that show, you have X amount of time to do it. These are the dates. Mm-hmm. And at least that's what I like about the limited run that they have where they're like, okay, these are the dates. Yeah. Because then I can sort of like plan my life and be like, okay, am I Am I choosing between eating and seeing (laughs) this show? Okay, well, that is, you know, something to think about. Or is it like, okay, if I have 12 weeks to see this and I have six weeks to see this, okay, I should maybe try to see this and then I'll try to see the other one because I have more time kind of thing. Because there are plenty of shows that we didn't see because we were like, okay, this is only going to be 16 weeks. We need to go see this really quick because this doesn't have an end date. It says open run and then it's like, is it closing then, next week or five years from now? Like you never know. And so I wish that it like was like not allowed in some way for them to be like, oh, okay, we're actually gonna close in two days. Because yeah. it's like, I 
don't have the schedule that allows me to be like, okay, let me drop everything and go see this in two days, which I absolutely would if I could. Right. But I'm also like, okay, great, which is what happened with um, Take Me Out. And so yeah. I got lucky because Take Me Out did really well. And so it came back and I was able to see it because I didn't for see me. it the yeah. first time because I thought I had more time. And then as soon as they announced that it was closing, I was like, okay, let me try to get tickets really quick. Like $300. I'm like, I don't have $300 to drop on just one ticket for myself real quick because I have to live and I'm poor. Like, and I've been very lucky to be able to sort of like buy last minute. And I do try to buy from the, from the box office whenever I can. Um, and especially if tickets are like reasonably priced, like when, um, for colored girls was there and yeah. tickets were not super expensive. I would have paid probably about the same to get it plus fees on like other things. And so I was like, no, I'll go straight to the box office. And I really wanted to support that show because it was yeah. very important to me. And I was doing well at work at the time so I like had a little bit of extra money to spend so I could be like hey dad I'm bringing you to the show hey mom I'm bringing you to the show hey McKenna I'm bringing you to the show like we're all gonna go see it because I oh, want hey, to Courtney, see it. I'm bringing you to the show but that's fine that's fine you were working I when know. I was trying to go I had a lot of jobs then choices Courtney <laughs> I paid my bills <laughs> I had to choose to pay my bills that time so so but, yeah, but I anyway wish, I agree I wish there was like a this is here for like here's our minimum contract it could extend but here's so, I don't know. so you well, know like the original end date or something like because you look at things like uh you know Mo and um k-pop two weeks four weeks like yeah there was no way to plan for that like and during the holidays like people can't up and change their holiday plans like no one's like, it's closing December 18th. Let me buy a gazillion dollar ticket to New York City in the busiest time of the year. Like, and so it like doesn't even give them a chance to save the show because and time for shows like that, that they close early. Like a lot of times tickets are already sold. Mm -hmm. Like my dad and a couple of his friends were supposed to go see Ain't No Mo. They had tickets. Mm -hmm. And then I think they had like Christmas Eve tickets or something for that week that they were supposed to come. And then they got refunded because the show closed early. Right. And then it extended because people were buying out the the houses and stuff like that. And so, but then it still ended up closing before they would have seen it anyway. Like it closed on the 23rd or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And it was like, just not having the ability to come and do it and so that's the thing but it's also hard to be like hey well we're gonna do this and then we'll like leave it open-ended because some shows will do that like um when I worked on Girl from North Country when it came back mm -hmm. again after it came back again after the pandemic yeah it had a set run but mm -hmm. we had on the calendar like possible extension yeah but there's only so much like just like the actors need to have jobs and stuff you can't have like a oh like I don't know yeah. like that was the whole thing that parades marketing from the very beginning was like it must end on this date because the actors had other things that they were going yeah. on to and so there was no thing for extension versus like my friend who's a stage manager like got pulled on last minute onto the fat ham extension at the public because they extended for two weeks and they had already announced that they were going to be closed on whatever date 
a bunch of the stage managers, a bunch of the crew, like all these people are like, we got other jobs because I can't afford to just like not be not working job, yeah. just in case it extends. Right. And so that's like what's kind of wild about this industry is it's like people don't really think about that. And like I'm going into like totally territory, like where we've gone like way beyond what we're even talking we're about, but not in the same episode anymore. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Welcome to Unseen Artist Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything at any time. Look, it's um, Phantom. It's like classic Broadway. So like we can talk everything Broadway with Phantom. When we were talking about, or when they, when Ayatsi was talking about um, uh, striking because of uh, contract negotiations and stuff like that and all of these things that have been going through. And like Ayatsi, while I have been very frustrated with a lot of people that I've worked with from the <laughs> Ayatsi union, I think the Ayatsi Union does really well by its members. Can they you tell really... me what union that is? Can you ex- say all it, the words? It's the, oh, crap. I ha- I'd have to look up what it stands for. Um, let me look it up right now. Um, but it's um, it's like stagehands. Okay, so um, like, I'm unfamiliar with this organization. I've been keeping up. The, <laughs> so, like, with the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Okay. So it's like, all the people like most of the people backstage are part of IATSE union the sound people the carpentry people the lighting people the um costumers have their own union uh musicians have their own union but it's like all of the like stage craft people the props people those are IATSE people like um and so it's like this huge they they just do really well by their members and make sure that they're really well taken care of and so like I found it interesting just from like an outside perspective sort of watching it with like this writer's strike that's happening and with this like all these things there's definitely a lot of big name or like executive type people who are like oh writers are replaceable which is like not true but you know they have like that kind of idea or actors are replaceable or whatever like all these different things but like as soon as Ayati came up through it they're like no like no one's gonna build your sets right no one's gonna run your shows and that was one of the things that um they had posted it was like playbill or something like that had posted like that it would affect almost all of the Broadway and off-Broadway shows and a lot of the tours because most of them are Ayatsi. And I know that some different areas for tours and stuff will, you know, they hire local people and I don't totally know how the unions work as it like, it's an international alliance. So clearly like it's everywhere, but I don't know what all of the guidelines are everywhere for that kind of thing. But like, especially in New York, the majority of the people that you're going to hire are going to be Ayatsi people. And that's just that's how it works and you're gonna be in a union because you want to be in the union because they take care of you you know and yeah (laughs) you want to be able to pay your bills and you know have health care and be taken care of and like all those kinds of things and so like I think that unions do a lot of great things anyway all this to say so they posted about that and how it could affect, you know, if they did go on strike and how all of these shows would not be able to go on because they wouldn't have staffing for it. And it's so interesting to me that all of these people are commenting. And of course, it's Instagram, it's social media. People are behind their thing. You know, people are going to say stuff that they wouldn't necessarily say to their face and, you know, things like that. But it's just all of these comments are like, oh, but 
but I'm coming to New York this weekend. Like, am I going to be able to see my show? Oh, should I come? Like, is somebody going to tell me ahead of time? Like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, I get that you want to see your show and you want to do your thing. And like, yeah, a strike is really annoying. But you know what's way more annoying? <laughs> not being able to eat yeah. because you're not getting paid enough or whatever, like all of these things. And so it's it's the inner workings of, you know, television and theater and all of this stuff. Like people just, I think- even people in the industry, if they haven't been affected by it, they just really don't understand. Yeah. And like, I, I will say, um, for those of you who maybe haven't missed it, uh, the Writers Guild did come to an agreement yesterday. Um, oh, okay. So there is a, and I knew that they were meeting. So the Writers Guild is, um, they came to an agreement that seems to be pretty good for them, I think. I haven't read the full thing. Um, they've started announcing like, when shows are coming back, like a lot of them got pushed back from fall and they're coming out in March now, but they've like announced dates. Um, it's just sag after left, but I'm hopeful that because writers guild was able to negotiate their way into what they needed, the sag after will be close behind. So we'll see the biggest issue. Well, no sag does a pretty good job of taking care of its people. Yeah. It's equity. It's actors' equity that's an issue. Well, they're um, not even involved with taking care of their people. No, because because it's different. But that is yeah. another union. It is a stage actors' mm-hmm. union, um, and it yeah they can't manage the people they already have, and they keep wanting to bring in more people yeah. that they can manage. But yeah, SAG-AFTRA does a does a pretty good job of taking care of their people, also. So, but yeah, IATSE you're like i want to get into theater and i don't know what i want to do be a stagehand or theater technician of some kind and get under iatsi because they take really good care of their people like if if you need something they are there as someone who has had to negotiate around rules from like 500 different unions and all of these different things and health codes and all of this stuff it was really frustrating dealing with IATSE because they were like oh no we're not doing any of this xyz for free which like on the other side like I totally see it I'm like yes I feel you but also like but I gotta finish this but from my (laughs) perspective I'm like stick the thing in your nose like just stick it in your nose at home like it's so fast. You don't even have to do anything crazy, but no, I get it. And I think that they've done amazing things. And I'm like, I would not want it any other way for them. Like, I think that that's great for them. Maybe I'll become a stagehand. So yeah. Or like sound, sound design, well, not design necessarily, but like, but um, like audio crew and, and the lighting people and all of them, like mo- most of them are IATSE uh tech group people i love that i am yeah. uh well i'm glad we were able to report that writers are coming out on top as they should be um and so today is is an okay day and we love phantom this might be super old news by the time this episode comes out but it's fine we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens maybe i'll release this one before the next before the one we recorded yesterday <laughs> so, the, so i'm, so I'm like awesome in the proper time period at least um but yeah we can apologize now for the episode the couple of weeks that we didn't release episodes because 
life happened we're so sorry um but we're back with you we're working on it we're getting we're getting our shit together i don't know if i'd go that far but we're back (laughs) that i will say we're back on air i don't know we we are making an effort to get our shit together yes so so we're back maybe i can say phantom back one day that'd be nice maybe Mm. i'll see phantom Yeston's phantom one day on a stage that would be nice um but in the meantime do you want to tell them where they can find us oh my god yeah you can find us on our website at unseenartists.org you can email us at info at unseenartists.org we love getting your feedback your thoughts your feelings your opinions um whatever you can tell us about your cat like i don't care i love dog photos cat photos animal photos you have a cow send me a photo cool i'm into it um frogs do amphibians yeah any animal Mm -hmm. um not your boyfriend don't want to see him but uh any like actual animals um babies are also fine would totally be interested in seeing your baby um yeah or you can find us on social media at unseen artist org no s on the artists there because twitter has character limits and uh yeah they hate us so unseen artist but you can find us anywhere with that um and uh yeah i think if you just google unseen artists org you could probably find us most i think we're the only ones don't just google unseen artist though because you'll find a bunch of like random stuff do unseen artists org or if you just go to our website unseenartists.org there are links to all of our social media on there as well. You'll find us. So you can find us. Yeah. But yeah. So on that note, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we are Unseen Artists. Bye-bye.